0: Jesus, your true presence in the Blessed Sacrament always takes on a particular meaning depending on the liturgical time of the year. But among the different times, your presence becomes much more meaningful for the simple reason that when we celebrate your infancy, we are invited to adore you. And your infancy is Eucharistic. The town Bethlehem in Hebrew or Aramaic means house of bread. And a manger is an object or apparatus on which animals nourish themselves. So we have these Eucharistic illusions. And worshipping a newborn infant because this infant is special, this infant is God, takes on a special act of faith. It is certainly beyond the realm of human understanding to believe that an infant is God. And that points to the Eucharist because in the Eucharist not only is Jesus' divinity hidden, but his humanity as well, under the cover of bread, the appearance of bread. And the best way to celebrate Christmas season is to be adoring our Lord and seeing the tabernacle as the manger and seeing the chapel or the oratory or the church as the house of bread, the house of the bread of life. Today marks the solemnity of the third manifestation of Jesus' infancy. First is his actual birth, and the declaration that the Savior of the world has been born. He's introduced as Savior for everyone, not only the chosen people, and he's described, the first of many titles, is that he is good news of great joy, So already, as the angel announces who he is, there's an implicit command to get the word out. Then we again celebrate the manifestation of his infancy, and included in that celebration is the actual adoration of the shepherds, and we see in the gospel in a very simple way the Come, adore our Lord. Mary and Joseph help those shepherds in their time of adoration. And they leave charged with joy and sense of urgency to get the word out, beginning with their fellow shepherds. And at the same time, we celebrate Mary's greatest title, her divine motherhood, that she's mother of God. Again, that reminder, that defenseless infant, as you know so well how defenseless they are and how much attention they need, well, that was how God made his first debut into our world. Today, it's a short Christmas season, today we celebrate another manifestation. That's what epiphany means, Greek word meaning manifestation to the Gentiles, represented by the three wise men, the Magi, from probably modern-day Iran. And tomorrow concludes the Christmas season. We celebrate the last manifestation. He's certainly not an infant. But it's his baptism, where the Blessed Trinity is manifested in a new way, never before manifested in that way. This very important solemnity, this manifestation to the Magi, what does that tell us? Well, we see, images of walking and following a light, okay, that's an overarching image of this celebration. The magi begin to walk towards the light of the world, led by a light that is intimately linked with the light of Christ. You could almost say the star is a light radiating from Bethlehem. The Wise men, how did, they, how did they know that this king was born in Bethlehem? Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Worship also means adore him. How did that occur among a people hundreds of miles away and very little communication? Our go-to person, as always, is the Holy Spirit. So heavenly enlight- heavily enlightened by the Holy Spirit, no question. But the human reason is that this is the locale where they're from of the babylonian acti- captivity and an important personage during that captivity was the prophet daniel daniel's book is very unique because with symbols and numbers he predicts where and when jesus will be born and he he presents a time frame even of the passion It's there. And these wise men were able to figure it out. There was a tradition handed down that a king would be born in Bethlehem. And so that's how they knew on a human level that they calculated that now is sort of the time that this mysterious messiah come into existence, having a a special star helped and the overwhelming enlightenment and movement of the Holy Spirit. So these three wise men begin their journey to Christ. The symbolism wouldn't work today because of modern transportation and modern communication, but they had to go through a lot of hardship in reaching Bethlehem, uh, the harsh elements of that part of the world. They couldn't go stop off at a Dunkin' Donuts in the morning. Uh, they couldn't go to a fast food place, when hungry, all those kinds of things. And to top it off, the star disappears. And so we see that this union with Christ is, is a journey that we've been bringing to our prayer, and it's not meant to be a smooth sailing journey, so we see that. And St. Jose Maria says that the star is our vocation that began with baptism, and we are called to follow that star, and that star is the words of our Lord. That star leads to the source of light, which is Jesus, is another image of today's feast. Now let's look at this journey, and this journey is symbolized by the three gifts. Obviously, the three kings or three wise men took a journey. But the journey towards our Lord is within my own heart. It's inside myself. And the steps I take towards him are deeds of self-giving love. That's sort of the baseline of following him, of walking with him, or walking toward him, who is the life. And so these three gifts represent, in a certain sense, the kinds of self-giving love that leads to Jesus Christ. We read a little bit more. And this great joy is what occurs as we approach our Lord. In Matthew's Gospel, this description of joy is even more redundant Then Luke's gospel, Luke said, I bring you good news of great joy. It's not just good news. It's good news of great joy. And here the gospel says, at least this translation, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, an editor would say, well, they rejoiced exceedingly. If you rejoice exceedingly, why are you going to say exceedingly with great joy? It's kind of a, it's a little bit redundant, but what's going on here is the Holy Spirit is driving home that he is the ultimate source of joy that is connected with this journey within myself. And Saint Jose Maria, in his uh, profound sound bites says you want to be happy have interior life, if you want to be happier have more interior life, if you want to be very happy have a lot of interior life. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Let's look at these gifts. Let's look at first frankincense. What is frankincense? We use that for solemn benediction. Incense, traditionally in ancient times, it was used by the Jewish people as a symbol of adoration. The smoke, the scented smoke, as long as you don't have asthma, uh, (laughs) represents our prayer of adoration. So we should accompany, the best we can anyway, accompany that smoke. That smoke means my adoration of God. Incense is meant for God alone. And and, and it represents a, a, a certain kind of prayer that we call adoration. We adore. The pagan people used it, and the Jewish people used incense. That's why many Christians died, because they were ordered to incense images of the gods or even images of the emperor, and they wouldn't do it. Well, because incense had profound meaning then. It meant adoration. That's aimed at, that's only reserved for God. And so part of my journey, a big part of my journey, is this adoration. And what is adoration? Well, it's spending time in prayer. Some of that adoration may include prayer petition and contemplation. But basically, to take this journey, I need to offer the incense or frankincense of my prayer. And Lord, we ask you to help us because you want adoration. You don't want getting it done. You don't want, well, this is a duty I've got to fulfill. I'll try to fulfill it. No, it, adoration comes from the heart. It's not a mechanical completion of a devotion, but it comes from the heart. So that adoration needs to be there. St. Jose Maria says in his homily on the epiphany. Where is the king? Could it be that Jesus wants to reign above all in men's and women's hearts, in your heart? That is why he has become a child, for who can help loving a little baby? We have all experienced that during these days. Where then is the king? Where is the Christ whom the Holy Spirit wants to fashion in our souls? As you kneel at the feet of the child Jesus on the day of his epiphany and see him a king, bearing none of the outward signs of loyalty, you can tell him, Lord, take away my pride, crush my self love, my desire to affirm myself and impose myself on others. Make the foundation of my personality my identification with you. So, and There's many areas of of prayer that i could look at but we just go over briefly for, for the sake of time but maybe one little area we could look at is obviously mental prayer is prominent in this that's the frankincense he looks for but also throughout the day i need with your help lord to widen the gaps that i'm not showing my love for you and I'm not speaking to you and dialoguing with you. How, how long are those empty moments when I'm not speaking to you? That's part of the walk. And, and every prayer is one little step closer to the light of the world. So that, that, what, part of that walk <coughs> is this prayer of adoration. Jesus even uses that analogy. And again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So again, this walking with the light. Once in a while, playfully, but with a serious message, but playfully. And we have to imagine that ourselves for a the benefit of our interior life, St. Marie would tap on people's shoulders at the most incongruous <coughs> times, you know, like waiting for a movie to begin, or, you know, after Mass is over and people are, I don't know, heading to breakfast or whatever, he would say, well, you know, as you're waiting for that movie, how many times did you tell Jesus you loved him? Uh, he, wouldn't let the, he wouldn't let you answer. That's... That's what they tell me. Or, you know, the person's putting the cruets back, you know, after Mass. And he said, well, you know, since Mass has been over, how many times have you told our Lord that you loved him?" And the the point he was making more than, okay, I'm going to make you squirm here, uh, is we need to be in the habit of offering incense, frankincense, to him. Because every time we do that, it draws us closer to him. What is, how do we look at this next gift, which is gold? You know, we receive gold and we say, wow, this took a lot of sacrifice to receive this gift. Traditionally, to this very day, gold is a very valuable gift. And and gold corresponds to the whole reason the Magi came to visit Jesus is that he's king. That's what got Herod all riled up. Where is the king of the Jews gonna be born? And so the Magi see him already as king, so since he's king, they bring him gold. What does that have to do, Lord, with my journey? Well, it symbolizes turning my ordinary activities into gold. Turning, as St. Jose Maria says, the prose of each day into verse. It's the work I do. That's the gold. And symbolized by the actual gold Jesus received. And I would say we produce that gold because when I go to Mass or say mass or attend mass, I want to put gold on that patent. Whatever it is, the most menial task or what the world would call sophisticated or elevated, it's it's irrelevant, to produce gold. And there's these images of refining gold in fire, and fire is a symbol of, of love. And how do I put love into what I am doing, I'd say there's two parts to it. That I give my heart to what, in, to what I'm doing, that, that I leave that I leave my heart in my work, that I throw myself into it. Because I want to give it my very best, whether it's uh, giving a, a speech in front of thousands of people, or dusting furniture, or preparing a meal, or tidying up, tidying up a room, or teaching a course, whatever it is, that I throw myself into it. And that I am sensitive to the details, those full finishing touches, not because I'm into minutia, Different people have different capacities to have an eye for detail. That's not the point. We hear that phrase in the work, little things. What what, what does that really mean? It's to to give yourself. To give yourself through the medium of little things. There's no such thing as little. It's a big thing. Giving my heart to Christ is always a big thing, whether it's turning off light or completing a task with as much perfection as I could provide for that task, little thing. But it's it's a way of giving my heart a little bit more. And then objectively speaking, so there's that subjective component of giving him gold that I throw myself into what I'm doing without having that work cut into my plan of life. And then I want whatever I'm doing to be objectively as good as possible. That's how I turn my work into prayer. And then I offer that to our Lord. Lord, I want it to be gold. It's always going to have, my gold is always going to have some alloy there. But I want to remove those alloys as much as possible, whatever I'm doing. And what we're doing is, has relative importance as much as the love of God I put into my work. And thirdly, the other gift is a curious gift, especially when you visit a baby. It's like bringing embalming fluid to visit a baby. I'm going to go to your I'm going. To, I, I want to see your new baby. And you, so you bring him uh, all sorts of little gifts and scarf and booties. Uh, kind of jazzed-up milk bottle, and then some embalming fluid. (laughs) You would throw the person out, you know? Um, So that's what they basically... And myrrh was expensive as well. And the reason why Jesus was anointed with myrrh is because Joseph Arimathea had a little bit of money and so did Nicodemus. And that's, that's why he was embalmed also with myrrh. But it points to the passion of Christ the future suffering he would go through his death and that's again enlightened by the holy spirit and the gift i need to give him is the gift of my of the crosses i accept and usually the majority of the time are little things objectively little it doesn't mean they're easy it can be art I'm stuck with my weaknesses and defects. That could be one. Uh, i got too much to do. There's too, many, there's too many moving parts in my life. I'm living in Chicago and not in Miami. Not feeling too well. Cheerfulness is, uh, is becoming a big, bit of a challenge because, you know, emotionally I'm not inclined to that right now. Whatever it could be misunderstandings, little humiliations. I mean, we, that's the myrrh we bring to our Lord. Those three parts of the map, prayer of adoration, sanctification of my work, and accepting those crosses that crop up in the course of the day. Mary, you're also a protagonist in these big feasts. In fact, in this, these acts of adoration of the shepherds, of the magi, you need to intercede because he's a baby, he doesn't talk. So you, your accompaniment is very special during these encounters with your son. We ask you for your prayer of intercession so that you help us grow in our intimate relationship with your son through prayer, through sanctification of work, and through accepting the cross. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help and bring them into effect. My Immaculate Mother Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.